Atelier Larasati is a progressive architecture studio based in Indonesia that creates memorable structures, unique ideas, and responsible designs. The studio was started by Stephanie Larasati with the belief that architecture is not just about the form and the style, but rather about its emotional connection with the users and the environment, and also about its adaptability to the local context, social life, and the users. So this way, she and her team have been able to create design strategies that are tailored to each project's needs, functions, and opportunities. Atelia Larasati is famous for building relevant temporary structures, such as the numerous open-air cinemas in Indonesia, and most recently, the micro-treatment facility for COVID-19 at a hospital in Jakarta. So we thought it would be really, really great to chat with Stephanie about the place and the role temporary architecture plays in today's age and about the impact they can have on the larger society. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. Really appreciate your being here. Thank you for having me. So first and foremost, um, tell us a bit about your journey. I studied architecture at the Technische Universität Berlin. Um, after my graduation, I worked at a German architecture office, Hasher Yele Architekten. Uh, there, I gained ex many experiences in designing healthcare, education, and office buildings, focusing on energy-efficient energy buildings. Uh, and in between, I also work as a stage design assistant for several theater houses. In 2016, I decided to go back to Indonesia to create my own practice. And by the time I moved, um, I had just completed my first project in Jakarta, which was this massive architectural installation on the side of uh, the cultural center of Taman Ismail Marzuki, aimed to raise awareness on human rights issues amongst young people. And the project was a collaboration between architects, NGO, and young artists. Uh, the structure was built in three days um, and lasted for one week and attracted up to 3,000 visitors. And um, it gained a lot of, lot of positive exposures um, and sparked a lot of necessary discussions around the topic. And uh, at that time, I saw the, the opportunity and also the, the power of this kind of installations, especially in Indonesia, where there are so many things or so many issues in the society that, um, that are uh, rarely uh, spoken about. Uh, in the public. And this project eventually led me to my first commission project, which was uh, to design a temporary outdoor cinema uh, or open air cinema above the sea in a village in Kayong, West Borneo, which then later became a yearly program by the government. After that, um, we designed uh, two other open air cinema, one in Sabang, Aceh, and and the other, or the last one, the recent one, uh, is in Kupang, Nusa Tenggara Timur. Yeah, you know, that whole series of projects really looks interesting and one of a kind. So how did you find specific passion in temporary structures? Well, in my office or myself, I'm very interested in asking the questions of um, uh, how relevant it is actually to aim for permanence. 
when changes are inevitable in almost every aspect of our, of our lives. Right. And the question is, is it possible to create something that is not permanent or ephemeral, yet sustainable? And how can architecture be an agent of change? I think having lived in Berlin for almost 11 years um, has influenced me a lot. It has opened my perspectives in seeing the potentials of temporality. Uh, Berlin was a city in transition, always in constant battle between old and new, and heavily rooted in its own history, and highly, uh, but at the same time, highly creative and highly experimental. And I have witnessed how the city was built based on interventions, uh, temporality, and experimentations. And I learned about this term Zwischennutzung very early in my study, which basically means uh, temporary use. It is considered as a formal urban development strategy where usually young creatives occupy uh, vacant properties in the city and inject these uh, properties with new and attractive activities for a certain time uh, period. And these temporary uses lasted for a few years, uh, but were able to give a lasting positive impact to the city development. And sometimes the, uh, the projects or the temporary uses were so successful that the citizens and users uh, were driving its uh, further development. Um, and it went beyond the merely temporary use of buildings. And this kind of approach uh, was really fascinating to me and kind of influenced me in seeing the potential of temporality. Mm. No, I do agree because this approach kind of treats buildings as if they have a life on their own, you know, and they are living in coexistence with whatever it is happening in the world, right? that they have to keep up with the changes and the pace as well. So what is it that you see so powerful in temporary structures? Well, when we when talk about temporary, we talk about time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of time is obviously very important. Um, and why are we working with uh, temporary projects is that it allows us to um, very quickly respond to new ideas that we are curious about or to um, certain conditions that need to be taken actions about. And architecture is a slow process. And the nice thing about temporary architecture is that you can be very quickly um, in a dialogue with the contemporary world. And secondly, an ephemeral architecture is designed to exist for a short period of time and then disappear. And this fleeting experience leaves behind a memory. And therefore, the experience will be unique and more meaningful and precisely because of its acknowledged time limit. And the tectonic of the buildings will be telling of its mutable nature as a dynamic marker of place and time. And this showcases the potential sustainable value in impermanence. Mm. Then building this way, are often associated with building fast and reactively to the current conditions and needs, right? Uh, so it is in a way more effective and more quote-unquote sustainable because <laughs> you're not going to put in the wrong function if you are responding to what is needed at that time, right? Um, 
compared to building now to anticipate a need later in the future. So maybe you can give us an example through your experience how building reactively as opposed to proactively have kind of benefited you in a way. Yeah, I think um, temporary architecture can be both. It can be um, reactive and it can also be proactive. Reactive by responding quickly to the current conditions. Proactive by being a facilitator for new possibilities and challenging ideas for the future of architecture. And since ancient times, um, architects have been concerned with issues of permanence and monumentality. Uh, we always seek to create and preserve meaning in buildings and the rituals surrounding them. And I think that uh, sustainability is our generation's iteration of permanence. And however, the reality is uh, we live in a world with rapid technology advancement uh, that have transformed our culture into a very fast-paced society of trends and immediacy. And we tend to um, we tend to dispose anything that is not relevant anymore, or when there's um, uh, new technology, we tend to uh, demolish or dispose anything that are not relevant to that new technology. And here, I think ephemeral uh, has a role in which it can become or it becomes a mediator between this aspired permanence and inevitable change. Um, our recently completed project was a hospital extension in Jakarta for St. Carol's Hospital in response to the current pandemic. Uh, it is part of initiative of an initiative called Micro Treatment Facility, which aims to accommodate additional treatment capacity to support hospitals and communities by creating screening and medical facilities that are quick to construct, scalable, flexible in its sizes, and adaptable in various locations. The structure is 140 square meter, and it comprises a wide scaffolding structure, bankirai wood flooring, and polycarbonate cladding. And um, it was prefabricated in only two weeks and built on site in four days. And the whole thing are completely entirely uh, built with scaffolding. And scaffolding is actually a very uh, common um, construction element. It is usually used to prepare a construction. It is the very first thing that you build on site, right? And uh, mm -hmm. the construction technology is very simple and can be done by basically anyone. And, mm -hmm. uh, and due to its simple construction and easy assembling, it has the ability to facilitate very quick structures that are required in emergency cases. And um, the material is also reusable and can be adjusted for other purposes in the future. And in the office, we are uh, always very fascinated about, uh, about this, this structure, about scaffolding, because of its adaptability and flexibility. And uh, we are working constantly to explore the possibility of this material and of this uh, construction technology and how these materials can be combined with other materials to result in other tectonics or uh, other exciting form and building elements. Yeah, I think this project alone is 
a great and successful example of reacting quickly to the current condition and also the skill the impact you know in such a compact process you are able to generate this huge impact so often this quick make and break nature of temporary structures can also be used as a tool to start conversations that are relevant to address socially and culturally, right? Um, how so? Well, in our practice, we frequently raise this question on the present and future use of temporary architecture. And actually, temporary architecture has always been around since ancient times, right? Like, for example, the wooden huts, circuses, right. uh, the medieval stages, <laughs> Uh, world fairs uh, to the Bauhaus post-war prehabs, uh, uh, prefabs and uh, disaster relief. And in contemporary architecture, we are more familiar with temporary exhibitions or pavilions such as um, the Miss van der Roos Barcelona Pavilion, mm -hmm. uh, for example, or Alison and Peter Smithson's House of the Future for the Daily Mail um, Ideal Home Exhibition in London. The, those were two very famous examples. Um, these are prototypes for modern living that showcase provocative ideas on, uh, on the future of architecture and um, urbanism. And they are still, until now, uh, very provocative and um, uh, uh, still triggering uh, dialogues. Uh, and these structures, situations and events quickly appear and disappear, but they are designed to infest uh, and embed themselves um, in a community, in a public space, or in a setup of ideas. Mm. And because they have the ability to open up uh, possibilities, they have the ability to test scenarios and subvert right. preconceptions of what our cities and society could, should and could be like. And I also see that temporary architecture is not only an object, but it is actually a situation in uh, some structures or uh, in some conditions, temporary architecture uh, becomes a platform for an event. And therefore it becomes a platform for a relationship to happen, right? Then it has also a, a form to it, which uh, was very recognizable mm -hmm. and uh, it became the symbol of the event, which, uh, which is also what architecture can do very well. And it solidifies and gives importance to things that are often forgotten or invisible. And it makes those things tangible and visible and memorable. That way, temporary architecture can have a lasting impact or a sustainable uh, value. Like the case of the treatment facility. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the nice or appealing part of temporary architecture that it is often more budget friendly and requires mm -hmm. lesser requires lesser permit, and that that, that is what I experienced also in my projects. Well, the process was more relaxed and more uh, less complicated uh, in comparison to normal uh, like permanent buildings mm -hmm. and and in that way it um, uh, some structures have the ability to involve the users either in the construction process or even in the design process 
uh, or in the end result, which creates a deeper relationship between the architecture, the users, and the function itself. And I think when this interconnection happens between the user, the architecture, and the, uh, the function, people can understand in a tangible way the way that things could transform over time and mm. that temporary can also have permanent impact. And you and the team also as the architect, I'm sure, are more in touch with the whole process from planning to designing, constructing, and also maintaining it as well, right? Yeah. So it's great that in this one compact process, you get a bit of architecture and then you get a bit of engineering and also management. Yeah. Right. So lastly, um, you know, changing the normal way of thinking or perceiving the way we build is crucial because it's not like we say now that we want to build more sustainably and it'll happen overnight, right? The, we need to change from the fundamental thing that is our way of thinking. So in your opinion, how should architecture be perceived moving forward? I would like to quote Jing Liu from Zhou Il. Um, uh, she said that all architecture is temporary. It should remain and it will always remain open-ended. Um, in our society, we usually are interested in seeking finality and permanence. But I think we ought to understand architecture as not an end of things, but just as a momentary coming together of ideas, materials, and craftsmanships. And I think this way of thinking could result in new possibilities in understanding and creating architecture. And sometimes, you know, we forgot to, um, to whom it is we are actually building and testing the ground. I think we need to be more aware of the message and the agency of those aesthetics that we build, that we create. In fact, we're not talking merely about temporary architecture. It is more about how architects can push the agenda and take some risks and what that can afford us as a society and also as a profession in architecture. Cool. I think this whole conversation is really eye-opening and it doesn't only raise our awareness in, of the power of temporary structures, but also it makes us think about ever needing a permanent building, especially if the functions keep on changing. Well, so do you think, will there ever be a world that only consists of temporary structures? Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Um... Well, sustainability is a very hot topic right now, right? And mm. we are in the constant effort to build sustainably. And sustainability often is connected uh, with permanence, with something that is always there uh, for future generations. But if you think about the, the changes in society caused by technology and many other things, for example, this pandemic, when the changes are constant, the only thing constant in the world are changes. How can we build according to that? That is always the question for me. For example, when we see in the city um, build like sports stadiums, for example, 
or big volumes uh, structures. After the, the events ended, what happens to the stadium? What happens to the spaces that are taken away uh, in that area? So maybe we can build a temporary sports stadium. So after the events ended, the stadium has also disappeared, you know? So uh, the sites are back to its, nor to its normal condition and it's back for the, for the people that lives around that area, for example. Yeah, honestly, that would be a great challenge also for us, especially in this time of adaptation and adaptive architecture. It means that we as a person also need to be adapting our way of thinking as well. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for the insight. We really, really learned a lot and we wish you the best in everything that you do and keep in touch. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please connect with us on our website and social media. Our Instagram is the design story with two Y's because the one Y was already taken. But in all seriousness, we would really love to hear from you. So shoot us feedback, questions, and share with your friends. If this is your first time on Story of Design, welcome to the community. Subscribe and leave a review if this motivates you in some ways. Take care and stay inspired. This episode is sponsored by BioLiving, an innovator in sustainable weaving practices for design and architectural applications.